date to your potential, inspiring, educating, and empowering single members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Our hosts are Peggy Matheson, betrayal trauma recovery expert, and Sharon Collier, certified life and relationship coach. Hey, y'all. Here we are today with Rob Rains. We're so excited um, to interview him today. He is passionate particularly about the concept of identity and how we can use it with the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ. He works mostly with Christian folks, and he's also had an amazing journey, um, not only with weight loss. I guess he lost over, was 200 pounds, Rob? Is that yes. right? Yes. Ooh, amazing. And he uses um, seven powerful shift principles that he talks about that helps him to lose that weight. He also has a pod, um, a podcast that he does with another woman, especially for Chris, Christian men, called Awaken Arise. Um, it's with Heidi McLean. And PowerfulIdentity.com is his website. And he is currently in the mid-single world uh, of LDS online dating, and he shares messages with mid-single adults using examples of the life of the Savior. And that's part of the reason why we are super excited to have you here today, Rob. Thanks for joining us. And by the way, it is episode 41. Episode 41. (laughs) (laughs) Well, great. Thanks for being Sharon. I'm super excited to be here and honored to be your guest. And Rob lives in Massachusetts. He's the father of seven children and grandfather of one. How fun is that? Yeah. Super fun. So Sharon, take it away. We've got some questions for you, Rob. Well, when I think of Rob, I always think of the scriptures. And he's always got some great scripture reference. And I love that. And literally, it's been more motivating for me to get into my scriptures more. So tell me what part of your journey did that come into? I know you've all probably always loved the scriptures, but where did this come that you use that so often, like in your coaching and in your speaking and everything? Tell me where that Sure. Came. So, uh, well, I guess my experience with the scriptures really, it started in seminary. Okay. And, and I had so many, it, you just when I was a, a youth and went to, uh, you know, early morning seminary, I had some great seminary teachers and really learned the power and truth of the scriptures and had opportunities to put put them into practice and watch what happened as I did. And that's where I began to learn and, and love them. I and obviously had some opportunities and, and experiences on my mission that did the same thing. And so <clears throat> this adding the scriptures into coaching was not really kind of a new thing for me. The scriptures are something where I feel like they have the answers to so many of the questions that we struggle with that I think starting there or at least making them part of what we search for or where we search for our answers is an important piece. They're they're not necessarily the only piece. I think there are lots of great books and great great places to find answers, but I think the scriptures uh, should be one of the major um, pieces that we turn to for that. Right. I love that. Um, So tell me, you've been divorced how long? Um, Coming up on three years. in about a month and a half, three years. Okay, so tell me how this has helped you like in your um, recovery, maybe from your divorce and in your dating journey. Can we talk about that? Absolutely. <clears throat> um, let me share a, a little story about the the recovery process. I love the fact that you use the word recovery because um, I consider myself a recovering people pleaser. Oh, okay. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Coaches just yeah. perked up. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's such a big deal. The people pleasing is such a big deal <clears throat> in the Christian world. Yeah. 
Um, <clears throat> and and I, for anyone not sure what I mean, I, I'm defining people pleasing as caring more about what the crowd thinks than what God thinks on pretty much any item. And I'm going to take some responsibility here and do this in a way that, that, that you don't hear a lot of men talk in this way about their past relationships, but I trained my ex-wife and my older children to manipulate me by being a people pleaser. I Now, the reason I say that, I'm not taking all the blame, right? They they own their actions, but I take the ownership of that training and that the, the entirety of that action because if I don't take ownership of it, I can't change it, right? If I take ownership of it, it's something I can do differently. And now I set boundaries and I train people to honor my boundaries. I love that. It's the boundaries issue. That's, that's a big part of it. Big, big time. And so as a recovering people pleaser, one of the first things that I learned after my divorce was final and as I was working with my ex-wife and co-parenting and working with some of my older children, all of whom I had trained to manipulate <clears throat> based on my fear of what the crowd would think, I was now changing that behavior. And I realized that I cared more about what other people thought. I wanted to be thought well of by other people. I don't think that's an evil desire, but if it's more important than other things, it can definitely be outbalanced. And so I began to to try and shift that behavior. I began to add to my prayers each morning. And, and I worked with some coaches on this too, and, and therapists. And so some of this was suggestions from coaches, but I began to add to my prayers each morning. Heavenly Father, I commit to make my only metric, my only measure of my self-regard today, what you and your son think of me and not what anyone else thinks of me. And that's it. Now, it's really easy to say, and it's a little harder to do. And that took a series of weeks and months for that shift to take place. And I found myself every day kind of measuring, am I doing this because of what the crowd will think, or am I doing this because it's the right thing to do? And so my parenting methods shifted. <clears throat> the way that I talked to other people shifted. And this was a slow, painful process. I bet. But there came a point in that process where I realized I keep telling the Lord every morning, I keep promising to make the only way that I measure myself what he and his son think of me and not what anyone else thinks of me. And I have not bothered to ask what he thinks of me. I'm kind of a logical thinker. I went, I never asked him what he thinks of me. And wow. so I said, well, I'm going to add that to my prayers. Yeah. And this was just kind of, again, I, I feel like it was inspired. But at the time, I just thought it was an idea. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to run with it. So I began to ask God each day, what do you think of me? What do you and your son think of me? And as I anticipated the answer, as I awaited that answer, I had this range of emotions and it surprised me. At first, I had really excited emotions um, because I thought I've done so many good things. I was what I now like to call a box checking LDS, a box checking Mormon. I checked the boxes, right? I was, I got the Aaronic priesthood. I <clears throat> was in quorum presidencies. I went to seven, early morning seminary. I was an Eagle Scout. I went on, a, I got the Melchizedek priesthood, went on a mission, got married in the temple. Check, 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 right? I did all the checks. And so I thought, well, I'm, that makes me a good person. That makes me a righteous person because I checked the boxes. Right. And so I was really, in, I, as, as silly as that may sound, as infantile as that may sound, I was excited, like, it's going to be really pleased with me when he sees all the boxes that I checked. And then I started to go, well, wait a second. I brought pain and trauma from my childhood into my marriage. I brought stupid to my marriage. At least 50% of the stupid in my marriage, I brought. That was mine. And I helped break something that was eternal. I caused pain to an ex-wife and two children, right? Not intentionally, but I still 
I cause pain just by my own actions or attitudes. Um, I put out <clears throat> uh, anger and sadness and hurt and fear because that's what I was carrying. And so I created that and that hurt other people. And um, so I broke eternal things. I broke good things. And I thought, oh my goodness, now I'm not so sure I want to hear what the Lord thinks of me. He's going to be really, really disappointed wow. in me. And uh, and I was fearful of what he might think. But I continued to persist in asking, what do you think? And um, I had an opportunity in a church meeting um, to receive an answer to that, to that uh, question. And I, I love language. And I love words and the power of words. And to me, that answer came as a single word. I felt the Holy Ghost whisper into my heart, uh, the single word redeemed. Mm. And as I pondered that word, and I knew that was the answer at the moment that it came, I knew that was the answer to that question that I'd been asking for weeks. And as I pondered that, some things stuck out to me, first of all. It was in the past tense. It had been done. The price had been paid. Secondly, uh, it had nothing to do with anything I had done or had failed to do. It had everything to do with what he had done. And so and then I realized in a, in a moment of great humility, I had no power to augment it or detract from it. I could not, there was nothing I could do that could help me to be more redeemed. And there was nothing I could break that would make me less redeemed. I was already redeemed. It was done by him. Right. That's amazing. Right. Um, I... that, so, sorry, just another thought with that is that gave me the realization that I am his. Yes. And it made two things happen. First of all, my walk became a lot more confident because I stopped worrying what everyone else thought of me or even so much what I thought of me right. and began to realize what he thought of me, how he saw me. Right. And the, the, all the past garbage took a much greater importance or lesser importance rather. It took a back seat. And secondly, I also realized that that redeemed applied to every other person I met. Yeah. And so my ability to speak to them from a place of kindness and to strive not to be in a place of judgment, and I'm still not perfect at it. I, I channel my judgy pants every once in a while, but I uh, that has that has changed the way that I that I talk and walk. Right, that's amazing. That's a paradigm shift. That it well, it totally is, and it's the paradigm shift that I feel like a lot of people don't journey to find because. Feeling like you've done something wrong after a divorce is very normal. Yes. You know, very normal. Feeling like you broke something eternal is very normal. I hear it all the time. And there's guilt and there's shame involved. And we are built to have feelings, of course, but guilt and shame are not of Jesus and they're not of Heavenly Father. Yeah. And so this is an amazing journey that you're talking about because I feel like a lot of people fail to take it. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I know that was emotional. Sure. And um, but thank you. Thank you for sharing that because I feel like that's a very important message. Absolutely. I think, and I think you asking the question is 
number one, courageous and sitting with it and being willing to hear the answer is powerful. I think so many of the times we don't ask those questions. No. We need to be asking questions like this. These are powerful questions, Rob. Well, right. you know, I mean, I would, you know, I mean, most of us would be afraid of the answer. When you said you asked the question, I was thinking, he's going to feel loved. And that's <laughs> that, what I thought. <laughs> girls over here going, <laughs> which is true. I love you. Yes. But so. there's so much more, there's so much more depth into thinking about that, that you are redeemed. And, and their thought process that you've explained here is beautiful. And how that brought you to the place where it helped you to stop doing that behavior that wasn't incongruent with that you have been redeemed. Right. Right. And I mean, what a good reminder, because, you know, how often do we forget about the atonement? That's literally he suffered and died, (laughs) you know, so we would feel redeemed. So thank you. Oh, my gosh, that was that was just a beautiful message. Um, So for those who are missing pieces of the puzzle, can we talk about maybe using like the scriptures and like finding your way in dating? Are there some things you can help our daters with that maybe they're missing this piece of the puzzle? Sure, sure. There's, <clears throat> I, I think um, there's, there's really three, three steps and I, I kind of talk uh, a bit about these in some presentations that I give, but just to summarize them really quickly here, three types of connection, right? That first, we need to connect with ourselves. And that the the idea for that or the support for that comes from the story of the prodigal son. This is in Luke, I believe it's Luke chapter five. And in the story of the prodigal son, he's drifting away from his father, right? And, And the father represents kind of heavenly father and Jesus Christ for us. But he drifts away from his father as he goes off into this life of, of carefree, you know, um, you know, spendthrift. And then when he hits rock bottom, <clears throat> he ends up taking a job. He joins himself to a man of that country because there's a famine in the land. And he's he's feeding pigs. And for a Middle Eastern man at that time, the, the, the association with pigs at all was, it, it, regardless of which culture you were, whether you were, you know, Christian, Jewish, Muslim, it didn't matter. Touching pigs was just completely, strictly forbidden. And uh, <clears throat> and for him to be feeding the pigs and wanting to eat the food that he was giving to them and not being able to was just like adding insult to injury. It was the epitome of humiliation. And it says in verse 17, and when he came to himself, and I love that that piece. So that first type of connection is coming to ourselves and saying, what on earth do I really want? And to me, that's the first type of connection to have. It's not the most important. The second one is with God, and that's more important. But the first type has to happen first. We need to come to ourselves and say, what on earth do I really want? What do I desire? And do I believe that God can help me get that? And if I do, then the second step is to connect with God. And I just shared that story of how I did that. When we connect with God, we find healing. <clears throat> and um, I, I am a devout member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and fully support the church and the and its leaders. <clears throat> However, there is also kind of a, a church culture, and sometimes we get caught up in that, and that is that, that culture of people, right? And that's crowdsourced. That's not owned by God. And I feel like we sometimes 
you know, get caught up in that and we try and get saved or try and connect with God through that. And I don't think that works very well. So I, I feel like the connection with God, while, while religion and church are uh, very, very important, I can't emphasize the importance of them enough. The connection with God I'm talking about is a one-on-one immediate father-child connection. You know, this is really important, Rob, because I'm just, this is a kind of a little aside, but when I wrote, when I've written my list of things I want in a man, it's not that I want him to be a good member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I want him to have a connection and relationship with his Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ. It's different. Right. Yes. Right. Being a great member of the church is great, too. Yeah. But if all you're and doing is checking boxes, I did that right before I got divorced. <laughs> right. 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 Someone did a conference talk on that, on checking boxes, on doing more than just checking boxes. And it was awesome. I've, I, yeah, I've, I've, I've heard that too. I, that's not where I drew that inspiration, but I definitely related to it when, when it was mentioned. I was like, oh, yes, I'm a box checker, or I've been a box checker. Yes. Um, and then the third type of connection is connecting with others. And the, the story that I like to share with that is the story of the, um, the Savior and the woman taken in adultery that was brought before him. And <clears throat> I love the fact that <clears throat> he did four things in a very specific order. The first thing he did is something I learned to do in my journey several years ago, and that was to create a safe space within yourself. You because we, we cannot pour from an empty cup. We have to, we can only pour from what we have inside. And if I do not feel safe inside, I cannot create a safe space for anyone else. If I don't feel love for myself, I can't properly love another person, right? I can dote on them. I can adore them. I can, you know, check suck the up to them. Again. And that goes back. What's that? I said you could check the boxes again. Yeah. Right. I can check the boxes, but it won't be real love. And that goes back to connecting with yourself. Right. Creating a, a safe space within yourself as a part of that. Yeah. Right. Okay. And so as part of that connecting with others, the, he so again, going back to the story of the woman taking adultery, he created a safe space. When the men were standing around holding rocks and clamoring for a decision, and they gave him two terrible options to choose from, Does, do, do we stone her, yes or no? And if he says yes, then he negates everything he's just taught about love and mercy, and, and he becomes irrelevant. And if he says no, then he puts himself up for potentially being in prison or stone himself. And so he says that he stooped down and wrote upon the ground as though he heard them not. He shut out the crowd, created a safe space in himself, and and connected with his father and got the answer. Not just an answer, but the answer. And then, you know, shared that answer that so many people in the the Christian world know, which is, he that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And it says that they all dropped their rocks and walked away. So he first created that safe space within himself. Secondly, he removed threats to her physical safety, right? Maslow's hierarchy of needs, your physical needs come first and your emotional needs come later. So the second thing he did was remove threats to her physical safety. You cannot teach someone, you can't coach with them, you can't connect with them if they are physically unsafe. Right. And that in a dating scenario, well, I'll get into that in a second, but in the, the third step he did, was he used words to intentionally create a safe emotional space for her. After removing threats to her physical safety and calling her attention to it, woman, where are thine accusers? There's no one left to accuse thee. She looks around and says, no man, Lord. Then he uses words to create a safe emotional space. Neither do I condemn thee. 
He's the only person in that entire town square that had any authority to condemn her. And he's just let her know, I'm not here to do that. So from a position where she was dragged in complete disgrace, half-dressed into the town square in utter humiliation, clearly caught in the act, but we don't know where the guy is, right? I mean, this is clearly a, a society that is not fair and is using her as an example. They hadn't enforced the stone pe- the stone adulteresses rule in some time. This was used as a, as a catch-the-savior tool. This was not a real law that they were, were in the process of or in, in the habit of enforcing. Mm-hmm. So she had been dragged in, in utter disgrace and utter unfairness into the town square in humiliation and under threat of death. And now he, the only person who really has the authority to condemn her has just said, neither do I condemn thee. Imagine from the moment she was dragged there until that moment, how much her perspective shifted as how much safer she feels now. Yeah. Physically, all threats are removed. Emotionally, the threat is now removed. And that's when the Savior taught her. Yes. And it wasn't a hellfire and brimstone sermon. It wasn't a two-hour, you know, scathing speech. It was five words, go and sin no more. And that's it. Right? Yeah. So that was the fourth thing, right? That was the fourth thing was then deliver the message, right? And in dating, <clears throat> I feel like when we connect with ourselves and know what we really want and then connect with God and heal, then we can begin to connect with others as we create this safe space within ourselves. And when we connect with others, the message, step four, that message that we deliver might be, will you go on a date with me? Will you go on a second date with me? I um, love this. May I, I hold your hand? This. I right? absolutely love this. I love taking the scriptures and, you know, especially what Jesus has taught and applying it this way into our lives. This is beautiful, Rob. Thanks. Beautiful. And, and the, the physical safety, what I was going to mention before, and I, I piled off on with physical safety, I, I share with the guys that includes sexual safety. If you're, you know, trying to have sex with her and she doesn't want that, she is not physically safe like that. So if she's in a situation where she's not physically safe or not emotionally safe, you're manipulating her, you're guilting her or whatever, you're you're trying to force her with your words to stay in a relationship that she doesn't want to be in, that's you're creating an unsafe environment. When men can learn to create a truly safe space for the women they date, the dating becomes a massively different experience. Absolutely. Yes. yes. I feel like men... T- by the way they treat women, teach them a lot. You know, someone with low self-esteem. Well, it's kind of like the the um, Johnny Lingo thing, you know, which I really don't believe in, but I partly do. <laughs> men can, you know, men can teach women a lot and they're, you know, people are burning bras and things and don't believe that. But um, a man who treats a woman really well teaches her a lot, teaches her a lot about herself. Teaches and, her and, that she's valued. And allows her to value herself. Yeah. You know, it, it was interesting because uh, yeah. probably a year ago, I was at a, uh, a retreat with some singles and one of the guys asked me, he said, what can I do to create safety for a woman? And I said, do your own work. Do your healing work. Become safe within yourself. Become safe in the gospel perspective. Become a safe person. Heal yourself. Go to God and, and get healed. Look at your crap and take care of it. And there's so many people out there who, for whatever reason, are not doing that. And it creates yeah. a sort of, of a lot of safety and confusion, a, a lot of lack of safety and confusion and, and a, a, a distressing culture to date in. Right. 
And you're exactly right. And that has been a, a big piece of my journey. Um, you know, I I coach men, but I, I don't feel like I'm 100% done with my journey or, you know, 100% healed or any of that. I'm I'm a few steps ahead on the journey and, you know, and I just want to reach back and say, hey, here, let me show you what I'm doing, guys. Let me show you. I'm still on this thing, too, but let's all climb to the top of the mountain together, right? Like, just come on, let's yeah. let's work. If you're, I mean, if your journey was over, you wouldn't be here anymore. And that's how I look at it. I think that, you know. Yeah. It is a journey. It's not a destination. Yeah. For sure. But being ahead and being a good example, that's amazing, Rob. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Juan. We need that. We need we need men helping other men. And so I pre really appreciate you doing this. Well, I thanks. No, I, I appreciate that. Another principle, I I had a man kind of call me out one time. So in in my um I I uh the founder of the um, Date with Confidence LDS Men Singles group on, on Facebook. And we've got we've got about twenty seven hundred members, so that's super fun. Yeah, and then I've got a little a little side group for the men called Towers of Strength, uh, and that's a free group too that I invite all the men to. Awesome. Um, but uh, in that in that date with confidence group, I, I posted something several months back where I called the men up. I was trying not to call them out, but called them up to hey, let's be our best selves. When the women say that they want a nice guy, here's what they really mean: they're not looking for a nice guy who's you know, who has low self-esteem and who's a people pleaser, they're looking for nice, like confident and strong. And here's some things you can do to, to do that. And I had some guys that were a little frustrated with, with the way that I called them up and didn't like that. And one guy in particular said, Hey, I don't feel like, um, I, I feel like women are put up on a pedestal and they're treated like they're perfect. And we guys are, you know, browbeating all the time. And I said, Hey guy, I'm, I'm not browbeating anybody. I'm, I'm calling you up in the same way that I've had coaches call me up and I needed it. And I so appreciate it. And I'm not putting women on a pedestal. There's no perfect person out there, but but we can definitely do our part. And he said he pointed out uh, his belief. He said, <clears throat> "It is my belief that the leaders of the church only call the men out, and they never call the women out." I said, "Well, give me some evidence. Help help me understand that." And he gave me an example of a talk by President Nelson that called out men in a certain way, and he said, "Swap the genders, and you'd never hear that talk given to women." And I took him up on his challenge, and I went and looked for for talks that called women out. And I found some. And guess who gave them? The female leaders of the church. <laughs> fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I said, well, that, that makes so much more sense. Because when I call out a woman, most of the time, if I'm calling her out like in great directness, it's usually offensive. It usually hurts her feelings. Right? And if a woman calls me out, I feel a little bit like put on guard. Like, you know, somehow there's, you know, it's combining uh censure with rejection you know right. but when a guy calls me out i'm like oh she's totally right man i'm right and when the ladies call the ladies that is now i don't know why that is right i'm not saying what things should be i'm just saying that seems to be the pattern and it seems to work better than the other way around so when you say that we need more guys calling out guys or calling up guys i think that's right i think right. men respond better to the men for some reason not sure why well you know and i just want to clarify here i think I think that's a really, really interesting observation. I think in a group setting, that may be the case. When you're on a one-on-one, -on -one, I am absolutely open and it's necessary for, and I require a man whom I'm dating to call me out. 
or call me up to be, you know, to say, hey, this is what I think is going on. And I have to say, okay, I'm going to look at that. But I also do that with him. I do believe in a healthy relationship, intimate partnership, or family situation. If you've set the culture where you create safety for that, that that's totally appropriate done in the right way. Yes, communicated though in the communicated right way. in yes. the right way and with kindness. But I think you're right in a in a in a group setting it has to be really careful. But I mean think about it this way. Every talk that's given that doesn't say man or woman is for everyone. Right. Everyone's yes. being invited to change. And, and and you are exactly right. I, I 100% agree that in a in a relationship, uh friendship, uh dating relationship, marriage, etc that a man and a woman both need to be able to hold each other accountable as well as hold themselves accountable. I totally get that. I was, uh, you're exactly right. In a group setting, I think it's, uh, what's that? I think your response to him was perfect. I think it's perfect because I think it can. I think I've seen that a lot where men feel like they're the victim of this whole thing where it's all about them and the women don't have to change. I've seen so many posts that are like that. And that's, that's just not true. But 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 strengthening men, like what you're talking about doing, is going to strengthen women as well. Strengthening yeah. strengthening it, men it brings quickly. brings a strength to women that helps them to balance themselves and to stay in a healthy place. It it just right. does. And 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 no, I, I appreciate that. And I wanna wanna underscore the fact that. Um, the strength I that I feel that I'm bringing to men is not my own, but the the Savior's. It's Christ's, right? I want them to be like Him, not to be like me, but to be like Him. Right. And that's I think He's the model of of you know godly and, and divine masculinity. And when we follow that model, it, it works well for guys. Yeah, definitely, absolutely, it definitely does. Um, a thought just came into my head uh, when I decided to be a coach. I had two separate blessings that told me that Heavenly Father was pleased with my path, which has given me a lot of faith in what I'm doing and patience because we all know coaches, it's it's a process to get a, a, a full schedule and everything. Um, did you have the same experience? What was your experience that brought you to decide to coach men? Sure. <clears throat> to be honest, I started out coaching uh, mostly women and oh. I found women, uh, in my opinion, a little bit easier to talk to and a little bit easier to uh, to work with. Um, I've had some fantastic coaching sessions with women that were very effective in a relatively short amount of time. Um, and helping them get to, women tend to be, in my experience, again, not not maybe all women, but the, the women, if the women I've talked to, women and men, the women tend to be a lot more easily transparent and vulnerable and so it's easier to get to the root of the problem quickly, scoop that out and say, here's what's going on. Here's the belief that's that's holding you back. Are you willing to, to set that aside? And, and so it's a really fun process. Um, so because of that, I was actually, when I felt, when, when I realized that um, the attitudes held by the men were more a larger percentage of the issues in mis- miscommunication and dating than the attitudes held by the women, I struggled with that because I thought, well, I don't, I don't, I'm not a men's coach. There, there are other guys that do that and they're, they're bigger, tougher guys. You know, I, I envision some of those guys that you see online. I, I don't have any names oh, to throw yeah. at you, but no, those I, guys I that are, have, the, yeah. have the perfect physique and they're out there yelling and they're, you know, they're, they're yeah, so passionate. And, yes. oh, gosh, yeah, you know, and they're, 
they're yelling at these big business owners and these alpha males yelling at each other and, and you know getting these fire you know fiery uh, meetings going and I'm like I, that's not me I'm not I don't feel like that 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 fiery alpha right. guy but at the same time as I did as I worked on my own journey I became a lot I took a lot more of the alpha like qualities but I feel like it's a little bit of an integration right of the that alpha and beta and you know there's this like third kind of integrated man that's more like the savior and I'm trying to be like him and so I I, I was I was honestly very the point is I was a little bit nervous to to coach men at first but I realized those are if I can help men men have inherited from our heavenly parents we've all inherited gifts right from our heavenly parents healer teacher coach what you know whatever right leader you know any any of the all the different things skills that we can have right. author you know whatever those are all titles right that we that we inherit from our heavenly parents or from our savior and one of those uh if if you if you're open to it is king now for with uh, our heavenly father and our savior it's a king with a capital k but every man inside has a king with a lowercase k Absolutely. that if he's if he's subservient to the heavenly king, he can be a king. He can preside in righteousness and each woman a queen, right? I'm, again, not putting men or women above one, one above the other. That's not the case here. But what I'm saying is each man has a king inside. And God taught me that if I would talk to that king, that I would have success and that I could be, I could be used by him in helping more men to find some of the things that I've found. Um, I've had some great men and women call me up to be better. Right. And that's that's my goal. That's kind of where I got into coaching men is realizing if I could help them heal and create safe spaces, so much of dating could be different than it is. Right. Love it. Love it. All right. Um, give us one final piece of advice for their, for everyone's dating journey. Sure, just kind of a random piece of advice. A random, a random Robism. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorites is from. Okay, so we've been studying in Come Follow Me. Right. We recently studied some of the miracles of Jesus, and one of my favorites is the woman that had the issue of blood that touched the hem of his garment. This was in the in Capernaum. He's walking through the crowded street, and uh, you know, jostled by everybody in the marketplace, and she touches him. And it said that he felt virtue go out of him. That's what the King James Version says. He felt virtue go out of him. And, and what that actually, if you look at some of the different translations, it means power or energy or spirit. He felt some of his energy transfer to her, is, oh. is my point. And, and in the form of priesthood power, but he felt some of his energy transfer to her and, and lift her up, bring her up. And so he turns around and says, who touched me? And his apostles, kind of, his disciples, kind of look at him, and they're they're like, "Are you being serious, Master? Like, we're walking through a crowded marketplace. You're being jostled all over the place. Is this a quiz? Is this a pop quiz? A test? I mean, are you kidding? Are you joking with us? Like, how are we supposed to figure out who touched you?" But he sees her, and he goes to her and and tells her that her sins are forgiven and she's healed because of her faith. And I love that. And and the the dating analogy I draw out of that is to be aware of your energy. Be aware for men and women how you're feeling, where your energy is, and when you're with someone, do they replenish your energy or do they deplete it? And if they deplete it, you want to step away from that relationship, especially in dating, because if they're depleting it now, then after marriage, it's only going to get more. If they're replenishing it constantly, 
in a real way, then that's someone that you should continue to consider and, and look at all the other aspects as well, but consider that person. Now, I will call myself out on one thing because I had somebody say, well, wait a sec, Rob, you're saying that if they deplete your energy, you should walk away. But the Savior didn't walk away from the woman and she took away some of his energy. And I said, yes, but what did he call her right after that? He called her daughter. And a dating relationship is not a parent-child relationship. In a parent-child relationship, you have made a contract with God and the universe that you are going to get your energy sapped. That's what kids do. <laughs> they, they pull your energy and you, it's part of the deal. It's what you, as a parent, he called her daughter and she was a child to whom he was freely giving that energy. But in a dating relationship, in an equally yoked relationship, one should not be always sucking the energy of the other. And if we are paying attention to our own energy, men and women, we are going to be scads more successful in dating than we currently are. I love it. Love it. That's Truth. That is a perfect statement. And that's self-aware. It yes. goes back to being aware of ourselves and knowing, knowing ourselves, connecting with ourselves. So right. this is great. Awesome. All right. So on Facebook, you are the admin of the Date with Confidence group. I, yes. I said earlier, I said, I love how positive he is. He's so positive and encouraging. Um, you're welcoming new members to your group. Yes. Get on the date with confidence group. You do lives and, you know, like Saturday coaching calls. Yes. Yes. Yeah. The Saturday coaching calls currently are specifically for men in the towers of strength group. And okay. we're welcoming members into that as well. That's a smaller group. Um, those are not only single men, those include, those are all LDS men, but they're single and married LDS oh, men. Okay. Okay. That's good. good to know. So that's the towers of strength group. I just wanted to, um, put that out there and thank you so much for being here with us today, yeah. Rob. Everything was just amazing. I, I sincere pleasure. I, I feel uplifted. And I do strengthened. too. I um, do too. And so again, his website is powerfulidentity.com and he has a new podcast for Christian men specifically called Awake and Arise. You guys connect with Rob and and seek that um, healing or strength that you need in order to be better in the dating world or make sure. it a better place. For sure. Thanks so much, Rob. Thanks, Rob. Bye. Thanks, ladies. for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and that it inspired you on your dating journey. Please share this with anyone you think might benefit from what you've heard today and subscribe to our channel. Check out our website at datetoyourpotential.com and take our free quiz to see if you are dating to your potential. We want you to know you are not alone. We support you. We are in this with you.